She walks by the sea, counting shells on the beach. One, two, three. She picks them up one by one, collecting their ocean suns. She puts them inside of her pocket and walks them back to the town. And she says to all of the people, I collect. Did all the sounds I collected all the sounds Hello and welcome back to Collected Sounds. I'm your host, Amy L, and I'm really glad you're here. This series is a story called The Dead Smile by F. Marion Crawford. There are four chapters to this story, and I'm reading each one as a separate episode. I have already released chapter one, so if you've not heard that yet, please go back, download that, and listen before listening to this one. And while you're at it, subscribe so you don't miss the rest. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Chapter two. Nurse MacDonald was a hundred years old. She used to sleep sitting all bent together in a great old leathern armchair with wings, her feet in a bag footstool lined with sheepskin, and many warm blankets wrapped around her, even in summer. Beside her, a little lamp always burned at night by an old silver cup in which there was something to drink. Her face was very wrinkled, but the wrinkles were so small and fine and near together that they made shadows instead of lines. Two thin locks of hair that was turning from white to smoky yellow again were drawn over her temples from under her starched white cap. Every now and then she woke and her eyelids were drawn up in tiny folds like little pink silk curtains and her queer blue eyes looked straight before her through doors and walls and worlds to a far place beyond. Then she slept again and her hands lay one upon the other on the edge of the blanket. The thumbs had grown longer than the fingers with age and the joints shone in the low lamplight like polished crab apples. It was nearly one o'clock in the night and the summer breeze was blowing the ivy branch against the panes of the window with a hushing caress. In the small room beyond, with the door ajar, the girl maid, who took care of Nurse MacDonald, was fast asleep. All was very quiet. The old woman breathed regularly, and her indrawn lips trembled each time as the breath went out and her eyes were shut. But outside the closed window was a face and violet eyes were looking steadily at the ancient sleeper, for it was like the face of Evelyn Warburton, though there were eighty feet from the sill of the window to the foot of the tower. Yet the cheeks were thinner than Evelyn's, and as white as a gleam, and the eyes stared, and the lips were not red with life, they were dead, and painted with new blood. Slowly, Nurse MacDonald's wrinkled eyelids folded themselves back, and she looked straight at the face of the window, while one might count to ten. Is it time? she asked in her little old faraway voice. While she looked, the face at the window changed, for the eyes opened wider and wider, till the white glared all around the bright violet, and the bloody lips opened over gleaming teeth, and stretched and widened and stretched again, and the shadowy golden hair Rose streamed against the window in the night breeze. And in answer to Nurse MacDonald's question, 
came the sound that freezes the living flesh. That low moaning voice that rises suddenly like the scream of a storm. From a moan to a wail, from a wail to a howl, from a howl to the fear shriek of the tortured dead. He who has heard knows, and he can bear witness that the cry of the banshee is an evil cry to hear alone in the deep night. When it was over and the face was gone, Nurse MacDonald shook a little in her great chair, and still she looked at the black square of the window, but there was nothing more there, nothing but the night and the whispering ivy branch. She turned her head to the door that was ajar, and there stood the girl in her white gown, her teeth chattering with fright. It is time, child, said Nurse MacDonald. I must go to him, for it is the end. She rose slowly, leaning her withered hands upon the arms of the chair, and the girl brought her a woolen gown and a great mantle and her crutch stick and made her ready. But very often the girl looked at the window and was unjointed with fear, and often Nurse MacDonald shook her head and said words which the maid could not understand. It was like the face of Miss Evelyn, said the girl at last, trembling. But the ancient woman looked up sharply and angrily, and her queer blue eyes glared. She held herself by the arm of the great chair with her left hand and lifted up her crutch stick to strike the maid with all her might, but she did not. You are a good girl, she said, but you are a fool. Pray for wit, child, pray for wit, or else find service in another house than Ockram Hall. Bring the lamp and help me under my left arm. The crutch stick clacked on the wooden floor, and the low heels of the woman's slippers clappered after her in slow triplets as Nurse MacDonald got toward the door. And down the stairs, each step she took was a labor in itself, and by the clacking noise, the waking servants knew that she was coming, very long before they saw her. No one was sleeping now, and there were lights and whisperings and pale faces in the corridors near Sir Hugh's bedroom. And now someone went in, and now someone came out. But everyone made room for Nurse MacDonald, who had nursed Sir Hugh's father more than 80 years ago. The light was soft and clear in the room. There stood Gabriel Ockram by his father's bedside, and there knelt Evelyn Warburton, her hair flying like a golden shadow down her shoulders, and her hands clasped nervously together. And opposite Gabriel, a nurse was trying to make Sir Hugh drink, but he would not, and though his lips were parted, his teeth were set. He was very, very thin and yellow now, and his eyes caught the light sideways and were as yellow coals. Do not torment him, said Nurse MacDonald to the woman who held the cup. Let me speak to him, for his hour has come. Let her speak to him, said Gabriel in a dull voice. So the ancient woman leaned to the pillow and laid the feather weight of her withered hand that was like a brown moth upon Sir Hugh's yellow fingers, and she spoke to him earnestly, while only Gabriel and Evelyn were left in the room to hear. Hugh Ockram, she said, this is the end of your life, and as I saw you born and saw your father born before you, I come to see you die. Hugh Ockram, will you tell me the truth? The dying man recognized the little faraway voice he had known all his life, 
and he very slowly turned his yellow face to Nurse MacDonald, but he said nothing. Then she spoke again. Hugh Akram, you will never see the daylight again. Will you tell the truth? His toad-like eyes were not yet dull. They fastened themselves on her face. What do you want of me? he asked, and each word struck hollow upon the last. I have no secrets. I have lived a good life. Nurse MacDonald laughed, a tiny cracked laugh that made her old head bob and tremble a little, as if her neck were on a steel spring. But Sir Hugh's eyes grew red, and his pale lips began to twist. Let me die in peace, he said slowly. But Nurse MacDonald shook her head, and her brown moth-like hand left his and fluttered to his forehead. By the mother that bore you and died of grief for the sins you did, tell me the truth. Sir Hugh's lips tightened on his discolored teeth. Not on earth, he answered slowly. By the wife who bore your son and died heartbroken, tell me the truth. Neither to you in life, nor to her in eternal death. His lips writhed, as if the words were coals between them, and a great drop of sweat rolled across the parchment of his forehead. Gabriel Akram bit his hand as he watched his father die, but Nurse MacDonald spoke a third time. By the woman you betrayed, and who waits for you this night, Hugh Akram, tell me the truth. It's too late. Let me die in peace. The writhing lips began to smile across the set yellow teeth, and the toad eyes glowed like evil jewels in his head. There is time, said the ancient woman. Tell me the name of Evelyn Warburton's father. Then I will let you die in peace. Evelyn started back, kneeling as she was, and stared at Nurse MacDonald and then at her uncle. The name of Evelyn's father, he repeated slowly, while the awful smile spread across his dying face. The light was growing strangely dim in the great room. As Evelyn looked, Nurse MacDonald's crooked shadow on the wall grew gigantic. Sir Hugh's breath came thick, rattling in his throat, as death crept in like a snake and choked it back. Evelyn prayed aloud, high and clear. Then something rapped at the window, and she felt her hair rise upon her head in a cool breeze as she looked around in spite of herself. And when she saw her own white face looking in at the window, and her own eyes staring at her through the glass, wide and fearful, and her own hair streaming against the pane, and her own lips dashed with blood. She rose slowly from the floor and stood rigid for one moment, till she screamed once and fell straight back into Gabriel's arms. But the shriek that answered hers was the fear shriek of the tormented corpse, out of which the soul cannot pass for shame of deadly sins, though the devils fight in it with corruption, each for their due share. Sir Hugh Akram sat upright in his deathbed and saw and cried aloud. Evelyn, his harsh voice broke and rattled in his chest as he sank down. But still, Nurse MacDonald tortured him, for there was a little life left in him still. You have seen the mother as she waits for you, Hugh Akram. Who was this girl, Evelyn's father? What was his name? For the last time, the dreadful smile came upon the twisted lips, very slowly, 
very shortly now, and the toad eyes glared red, and the parchment face glowed a little in the flickering light. For the last time, the words came. They know it in hell. Then the glowing eyes went out quickly. The yellow face turned waxen pale, and a great shiver ran through the thin body as Hugh Ockram died. But in death, he still smiled, for he knew his secret and kept it still on the other side, and he would take it with him to lie with him forever in the north vault of the chapel where the Ockrams lie uncoffined in their shrouds, all but one. Though he was dead, he smiled, for he had kept his treasure of evil truth to the end, and there was none left to tell the name he had spoken, but there was all the evil he had not undone left to bear fruit. As they watched, Nurse MacDonald and Gabriel, who held Evelyn still unconscious in his arms while he looked at the father, they felt the dead smile crawling across their own lips, the ancient crone and the youth with the angel's face. Then they shivered a little, and both looked at Evelyn as she lay with her head on his shoulder, and, though she was beautiful, the same sickening smile was twisting her young mouth too, and it was like the foreshadowing of a great evil which they could not understand. But by and by, they carried Evelyn out, and she opened her eyes, and the smile was gone. From far away in the great house, the sound of weeping and crooning came up the stairs and echoed along the dismal corridors, for the women had begun to mourn the dead master, after the Irish fashion, and the hall had echoes of its own that night, like the far-off wail of the banshee among forest trees. When the time was come, they took Sir Hugh in his winding sheet on a trestle bier and bore him to the chapel, through the iron door and down the long descent to the north vault with tapers to lay him by his father. And two men went in first to prepare the place and came back staggering like drunken men and white, leaving their lights behind them. But Gabriel Ockram was not afraid, for he knew, and he went in alone, and he saw that the body of Sir Vernon Ockram was leaning upright against the stone wall, and that its head lay on the ground nearby, with the face turned up, and the dried leather and lips smiled horribly at the dried-up corpse. While the iron coffin, lined with black velvet, stood open on the floor. Then Gabriel took the thing in his hands, for it was very light, being quite dried by the air of the vault, and those who peeped in from the door saw him lay it in the coffin again, and it rustled a little, like a bundle of reeds, and sounded hollow as it touched the sides and the bottom. He also placed the head upon the shoulders and shut down the lid, which fell to with a rusty spring that snapped. After that, they laid Sir Hugh beside his father with the trestle bier on which they had brought him, and they went back to the chapel. But when they saw one another's faces, master and men, they were all smiling with the dead smile of the corpse they had left in the vault, so that they could not bear to look at one another until it faded away. Thank you for joining me for Chapter 2 of The Dead Smile by F. Marion Crawford. I hope you have enjoyed this story so far and that you will tune in next time for Chapter 3. I suggest you subscribe so you don't miss it. This podcast is brought to you by Whimsical Productions and Collected Sounds. The theme song is by Canel Ilanian. The music you hear behind the story is Bach's Book 1, Prelude and Fugue Number 8 in E-flat minor by Carlos Gardels. 
Until next time.